Well, this morning we come together as the church, the body of Christ, to celebrate the fact that Jesus is risen from the dead. Christ has risen. Okay, so some of y'all have been here before. Some of y'all, this is your first Sunday here. We threw you off with uh, this is the word of the Lord, thanks be to God thing. All right, and now I can tell you we've really thrown you off. But normally in uh, church, uh, when someone says Christ has risen, you would respond, he has risen indeed. So let's try it one more time together. Say it like you mean it this morning. Christ has risen. Amen. And speaking of an empty tomb, how many of you have ever been to Israel and visited the garden tomb to see the empty tomb? How many of you have been there? Raise your hand if you've been to Israel and seen the empty tomb. Not very many. Wow, I figured there would be more than that here. How many of you would like to go see the empty tomb someday? Raise your hand. Well, I've got great news for you today that I'm excited to share with you. We're planning a 12-day trip to Israel for a tour of the Holy Land in February of 2025, and you're invited. We would love to have you join us and be a part of that trip. We're going to be working out all the details in the near future, scheduling a meeting. Uh, if you're interested, and we'll be able to share with you our plans and the cost of that trip. But uh, you know what? I, I never in my life dreamed that I would get to go to Israel visit the places that I'd always heard about and read about in Scripture. And, and, and I want you to be a part of that with me as we experience it together. I'm going to have the opportunity to uh, lead and share some devotions while we go at, to different places talking about the significance to Scripture. And I'm so excited, and I would love for you to be a part of that. So be looking for more information in the near future. Well, I appreciate so much Bill Nelson reading our scripture for us during our time of worship this morning, uh, giving us John's account uh, there in the Gospel of John of the resurrection as John recorded these events there in chapter 20 of his gospel. But now what I want to do this morning is I want to look at Matthew's account that's reported here in his gospel in chapter 28. Uh, because uh, just like in anything else, different people have different perspectives of uh, what has taken place or things that they may have witnessed or been a part of. People pick up on different details about a same event. You may get two different people that are in the exact same place at the exact same time, and their stories may be different because of their perspective and the details that they pick up on. And so we've heard John's account already this morning. And so now I want to look at Matthew's account, beginning here in verse 1, Matthew chapter 28. God's word says, After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. And, and I just want to uh, uh, talk about for just a second this morning that this story, it seems to come full circle here for uh, uh, some of us. For uh, just a few short months ago, uh, which was the last time some of you were here at Christmas, 
Um, but uh, a few months ago, we shared the story. That was cruel, wasn't it? You will never come back again until Christmas, will you? Um, it's okay. I'm glad you're here. Uh, we, we love you. But uh, if you think about it, uh, we read this Christmas story a few months ago, and at the beginning of that story, it begins with an angel's declaration to a young woman named Mary that she was pregnant with the Son of God. And now here we are at the end of Jesus' life, and there's another angel's declaration, except this time the angel is declaring the resurrection of Jesus to a couple of women who are also named Mary. So let's now pick it up at verse 3. It's talking about the angel here. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook, and they became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Now, in the Christmas story, the angels declare there, Do not be afraid. And here again in our Easter story, the angels declare again, Do not be afraid. Because if you think about it, both of these experience would, experiences would have most definitely been frightening moments to those and for those involved. I mean, it's not every day that you encounter an angel, right? Uh, especially an angel uh, who it says is, uh, appearance is like lightning and clothes white as snow. I mean, you don't normally see uh, somebody like that in everyday life. Matter of fact, I'm going to say that if an angel showed up here today looking like lightning and clothes as white as snow, our security team would not let them come into the building, right? Uh, and so you have no fears here today. We're not going to allow any angels into this place. But in both of these stories, the Easter story and the Christmas story, the angels come delivering a very important message. And the message is this. God is up to something. God is up to something special. God is up to something extraordinary. And ultimately, both times... It's a common message. It's a message of Emmanuel, God with us. And while most of us think of Emmanuel, God with us, as a Christmas theme or a Christmas promise, we usually don't think of it as an Easter promise as well. But it is. In John's gospel account that Bill read for us earlier, John tells us that the women were at the tomb and they were crying there. And if you think about it, think about what they have experienced. They're at the tomb crying. Well, why are they crying? Well, they're crying because they, they have this heart. Uh, their hearts are broken with grief because they've lost the one that they've loved. 
the one that they thought that was going to come and save them and rescue them and be the Messiah and be the Savior. He, he's dead and he's laying here in this tomb and his body is decaying and, and they've come to uh, put fragrances and perfumes on him and, and wrap him in linens and, and to, they're coming to prepare the body uh, to be disposed of in death. And they're at this tomb crying out of grief, out of, out of heartbrokenness, out of loneliness. But also think about this. They probably also have this sense that Jesus has abandoned them. That uh, he is not who he said he was. And that uh, he has he, he is not kept the promises that he has made to them. You see, you can tell by the way the women came to the tomb. You can tell by the tears that they were shedding and the things that they brought with him. They did not come expecting a resurrection. They weren't expecting a resurrected Jesus. They weren't expecting the tomb uh, to be empty. You see, uh, these ladies, they had been there at the cross of Calvary. They had watched Jesus suffer this gruesome and horrific death on the cross of Calvary, the most horrible way of torture and death that anyone could experience at this time. And I'm sure that now, not only are they brokenhearted, not only do they feel betrayed, but they also are living their lives in fear because they have been associated with Jesus. The people knew that they had a relationship with Jesus, that they had traveled with Jesus, they had supported Jesus, and they had been with Jesus. And so they find themselves at the tomb this day uh, grieving and, and in fear, and I'm sure they had a sense of hopelessness in, in their lives. And, and I think it would be safe to say here, matter of fact, uh, today I, I know this to be true, and I know this to be a, a fact that there are some people that are here in this room today and probably even watching online that are going through a season of, gr of grief that are grieving uh, greatly, their hearts are broken, they've suffered great loss uh, in their lives. And I know this because I know, and you know, those of you who are members of this church, know that we have suffered great loss over these past couple years. We've suffered great loss in our church this past week. We've suffered great loss in our community this past week. And people are grieving, their hearts are broken and they're crying uh, tears uh, that have been brought on uh, by death. And so I know without a doubt that there are people here this morning who find themselves in a season of grief. I also know that there are people here today and you have tried to do everything that you could possibly do to fix the situation. To create a better circumstance. You've done everything that you know to do in your power. And everything that you seem to do has not worked. And so maybe you're here today and, and you're living in the middle of a situation. Or you're living in the middle of a circumstance. And it just seems hopeless because you've tried all that there is to try. 
Or maybe you're here today and you find yourself in a situation that scares you. Maybe you uh, have lost a job. Maybe uh, the future for you is uncertain. Maybe you're trying to weigh out whether you should move or not move or change jobs or have children or not have children or, or whatever it may be. And, and the future for you is uncertain and so you're afraid of what the outcome might be and what the future holds. Friends, you don't have to go very far. Uh, you can turn on any radio. You can turn on any television. You can pick up any cell phone. And you can tell that we live today in a world of uncertainty. Things are so uncertain in this world we live in. It seems like I, I find myself almost on a weekly basis saying, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe that that took place. I can't believe that I'm witnessing these things in my lifetime and in this world that we are living in. We live in a world of bad news. We live in a world of uncertainty. We live in a world of, uh, of violence and, and, and unnecessary death. We see people that have no value for life whatsoever and they will just quickly take the life of another person. People who were in our school campuses and shoot innocent children and, and teachers. Friends, we live in a very crazy world in uncertain times. We live in a world of pain. We live in a world where people are hurting, not just physically, but they're hurting emotionally. We sang, oh, what a beautiful song that they closed with there at the end. I've been, I've been trying to get the praise band to sing. Every time I heard it on the radio, I'm like, our praise band can do that better than they can do that. And they nailed it. They knocked it out of the park. But so many people are battling depression and anxiety and so many things in their life. And they just hurt. They wake up every day hurting. Physically and emotionally. So many people today are facing the devastation of a, a diagnosis of cancer. I hate that word. I hate that name. I, I hate that disease. It's taken the life of so many that we love. So many people today are in the middle of a battle with cancer. And they don't know what the future holds. And it's frightful. And it's, it, it's scary. Friends... What I'm here to tell you today, though, is good news in uncertain times. What I'm here to share with you today, what we're here to celebrate today is great news, even though we live in a world that doesn't appear to be so great at the time. But we can, this message of, of the Easter story, this message of these two passages of Scripture that we've read and looked at this morning, it's still a message for you and I today. 2,000 years later, this is a message for you and for I today. And we can enter into uh, this Easter celebration. We can enter into this Easter Sunday with a cry for Emmanuel. God, be with us. And He is. He is very much with us. Our God is with us today. And if we're open... And if we are willing to look beyond the grave, if we're open and we're willing to look beyond death and see that empty tomb, we will find Jesus not only is not there, but He is here. Amen? He is not in the tomb, but He is here. He is present with us today. 
because he is risen. And so this morning, I want to focus on just three things real quickly, because I know some of you are starving to death. I can tell from the looks of you. Three things this morning about the Easter story. First thing that I want to uh, focus on is something that we don't talk about a lot, uh, but it's the third day. The third day is extremely important. It's, uh, uh, it's common all throughout the scriptures and, and, and throughout the Bible. And I just want to give you a few examples. In Genesis chapter 22, God rescues Isaac from the altar of sacrifice on the third day. How many of you have gone and seen the movie this past week or so uh, called His Only Son that's showing in movie theaters? Anybody seen that? few of you, awesome movie. I highly recommend it. It's the story of Abraham and Isaac. And you will see as you're watching on that movie that it's on the third day when Abraham, out of faith in God, goes to sacrifice uh, his son. But God delivers him and provides the sacrifice that is needed on that day. In Exodus chapter 19, God reveals himself to his children, to God's people on Mount Sinai. On the third day, there's this common theme all throughout Scripture about the third day. There's one more popular story that probably more of us are familiar with, and it's found in the book of Jonah, where Jonah uh, is in the belly of a great fish or a whale for how long? Three days, right? And this one is especially important because Jesus, here in Matthew's gospel, tells us that he is coming in the, uh, to give the sign of Jonah, he calls it, which we know now, uh, in hindsight, that he's speaking about his own third day resurrection. Another thing that I think is interesting in this passage of Scripture that we're looking at today that I want to point out has absolutely nothing to do with this sermon today. Uh, but those of you that know me know that I can go anywhere at any given time. Just let a squirrel go by and we're chasing it, right? But there was something that I noticed here. It was the women that went to the tomb. It was the women that went to the tomb that day. They, uh, they had taken their own lives. They put themselves in, at, at risk by going to the tomb that day. And where are the men? Where are they? Huh? They're hiding, aren't they? The disciples are, are hidden out. They're locked in a room because they're in fear for their lives. Now, mind you, their fears are warranted indeed, but so were the women's fears, right? I mean, they were in uh, as great a danger as the men were, but they were willing to risk their safety to go to the tomb while the men stayed behind locked uh, doors. I, I don't know what that teaches us, but I just thought it was interesting. And not a woman in this room is shocked by this, right? Huh? This is why when I see a snake at the farm, I call for it Lynette, right? Um, because women are women and men aren't, thank God. <clears throat> but... Uh, Anyway, I'll move on to the second point, because that, that's a whole other sermon in itself. Men are men, and women are women. Amen? Huh? The second thing we've seen here is this. It doesn't make sense. How many of you read this story? How many of you have heard the story? How many of you have, have read other stories in Scripture and go, you know what, this just don't make sense? It's hard to believe. If you read Matthew's account of the life of Jesus, you will see in chapter 16 and chapter 17 that Jesus repeatedly tried to tell these disciples 
that he was going to rise again. He repeatedly told them, I am going to be resurrected on the third day. And he tries to explain it and help them understand. But the disciples never seem to get it. Uh, mostly because they're men, right? Uh, and so, but the disciples, they, they never seem to fully understand what Jesus is saying to them because it made no sense. It made no sense to them. We also learn in these uh, New Testament accounts that these women that were present at Jesus' crucifixion and, and, and the horrific events of that day when Jesus was hanging there on the cross, that some of those women that were present there at the crucifixion of Jesus were also some of the same women that were present when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. They had witnessed him with the power, the resurrection power, to bring uh, the dead to life. And they had seen that. They had witnessed that. They had experienced it with their own eyes. Now think about this. They are watching Jesus be crucified. And yet they know, without a shadow of a doubt, that he has the power to raise the dead back to life. But now they're watching this very person who could raise the dead die. No doubt, this would have been very confusing to them. No doubt, this would have been very troubling to them. It doesn't make sense. Throughout both Matthew's and, and John's account, the disciples don't get it. Like last week where we learned uh, that the people uh, on Palm Sunday, they thought that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem that week at this time to, to lead a violent political revolution. That's why they thought he was coming. They thought that was his purpose and why he was there. But instead, Jesus came not to bring war, but Jesus came to bring peace. He came as a sign of peace. And none of this made any sense. And, and so that brings us to the third and the final thing this morning. And instead of a point, it's a question. Then where is he? Where is Jesus? Where is he at? Because in both John and Matthew's accounts, we see an empty tomb. But has Jesus just vanished? Has he just disappeared? Now, in both accounts, it speaks to the fact that the women encounter Jesus and he is very much alive. Without a doubt, they know that Jesus is now alive and well. Jesus also goes to where the disciples are. And he appears in the locked room where uh, they're hiding out there. Now, now, I'm not Jesus, but if I was Jesus, this would be recorded totally different than the way it is, you know. And Jesus appeared in the room with the disciples, right? It would not say that. It would say Jesus appeared in the middle of the disciples and went, Gotcha! You know, I'd have scared the poo out of them. I, I, I would have terrified them. I would, I'd have given them a reason to be afraid, right? But he did appear without coming through the door. Uh, he just appeared in the room with them, which I'm sure was probably startling uh, for them to, to say the least. But anyway, Jesus has not only appeared to the women, Jesus has not only appeared to the disciples, but Scripture goes on to tell us that there were over 500 more witnesses to the fact that Jesus was alive, that encountered him, 
alive here on this earth. But don't miss this. The women are crying at the tomb. The disciples are gathered in a room, fearing for their life. They're afraid and locked in a room. But don't miss this. When their situation seemed hopeless, Jesus met them right where they were. When their situation seemed hopeless, Jesus met them right where they were. He is present. He is with them. And friends, don't miss this. He is still present today, and he is with us as well. Amen? In the midst of their fear, he is there. In the midst of your fear, he is there. In the midst of their grief, he is there. Snug's family, in the midst of your grief, he is there. He is here. In the midst of their pain, their doubts, he is there. Friends, this is our Emmanuel. God with us who has shown up. To be present with you and I as well. Not as an infant. But today he shows up as one who has conquered sin. One who has conquered death with the resurrection power. And don't miss this. Their fears and their doubts and their grief. You know, they're they're crying. They have no hope, it appears. They're afraid, they're locked in a room, but don't miss this. Their fears and their doubts and their grief does not disqualify them from encountering a resurrected Jesus. That didn't disqualify them. He doesn't shame them for having doubts. He doesn't shame them for bringing grave clothes and incense and fragrances to cover up the stench of death. He doesn't criticize them for that. He doesn't shame them for looking, coming to look into the tomb. He doesn't shame them for being locked in a room because they are afraid. Don't miss this, friends. He embraces them where they are. Some of us here today need to be embraced right where we are. When he embraced the ladies and he embraced the disciples, this world was forever changed. Their lives were changed. Their lives were transformed. Their mission had changed and had been transformed as well. Friends, even when we doubt, even when we struggle, Even when things don't make sense. Even when we're afraid. And when we're grieving. God is with us. God is with us. And he has empowered us. By his Holy Spirit. Not only to be in his presence. But to be an extension of his presence. You see as resurrection people. We have that resurrection power flowing in our veins as well. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead 
is now at work in our hearts and our lives if we've accepted him as our Lord and Savior. And he's empowered us by his Holy Spirit not only to live in that power, to live in that fullness, but also to take the hope of this resurrection to others. To take this hope of the resurrection out into the world. You see, that was his command right before he left. He said, I'm going to leave you a helper because I know you're going to need some help. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this resurrection power. I want you to take this story, this good news story that we call the gospel. I want you to take this and I want you to take it to the ends of the earth. Because people out there in the world are afraid. People out there in the world are grieving. People out there in the world are suffering. And they're hurting emotionally and physically. And so he said, you take me. You take this resurrection power and you go and share it with others because it's the only cure for this world that doesn't make sense. And Christian, if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's our responsibility. That's our job is to do kingdom work, to build the kingdom of God and share this good news, share this resurrection power with this world. And so he's empowered us. Friends, we are people of the third day. That's who we are. We are people of the third day. We are people of the resurrection. And our lives can also be forever changed and forever transformed by his presence. And you know what, this morning, I, I, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what phase of life or what season of life that you may be going through right now. But I have no doubt that there are probably some people here this morning or maybe some that are, are, are watching online today. And maybe you know without a shadow of a doubt that you're not in right relationship with Jesus Christ. And friends, you know the truth. You know that Jesus came to die for your sins, but you're not living in that victory. You're not living in that victory over sin. You're not living in this victory over death. And because of that, you have every right to be afraid. To be afraid of the day that you will take your last breath. Here's one thing I know about my brother Richard. When he took his last breath here, Monday night, was it Monday night? I don't know what, I don't even know what the day is. But when Richard took his last breath, here's what I do know. His next breath was in the presence of his king. I'm not sad for Richard. My heart breaks for the family. I'm jealous of Richard. But some of you here today, you don't, you don't know that you're going to experience that. You don't know what the future holds. You don't know what eternity is going to look like for you friends there is no sense whatsoever in living a life without hope that's what doesn't make sense what doesn't make sense is gambling on whether this is a true story or it isn't we no longer should live without hope we no longer should fear death 
we no longer should fear the grave. But in our absolute worst moments, in our worst moments of grief and hopelessness and fear, friends, we can, you can have confidence in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. You can have confidence today. You can walk out of here today confident in knowing where you're going to spend eternity. Emmanuel isn't just a message for Christmas. It's the message of Easter too. And he is with us because of the resurrection. He is with us because there is an empty tomb. He hasn't vanished. He hasn't disappeared. He hasn't forgotten us. Friends, he is with us. Amen. Aren't you grateful? Aren't you thankful? And if he's not been with you, why not today? Why not ask him to be with you and come into your heart and your life? Take control. And not my will, but yours be done in my life. You can make that decision today, and I would encourage you to do that. What better time than Easter, right? What better time than Easter? Next weekend, we're going to be having some baptisms. We'd love to have you join us so we could celebrate what God's doing in and through your life through the sacrament of baptism. Friends, I'm going to tell you, there's no distance that Jesus would not go to save your life. He went to the cross of Calvary for you. He went to the cross for me. We are loved, amen? We are not alone, amen? And there is hope, amen? Sin has been defeated. Death is destroyed. All by the power of the resurrection in an empty tomb. We're not alone because he is risen. Let's pray. God, I thank you today so much for this reminder and the amazing love that you've shown us. The amazing love that you have for us that you would send your son Jesus to die on a cruel, gruesome cross for my sin. It doesn't make sense. But God, here's what I know. I know that your presence is real. I know that your spirit is real. We have sensed your presence in this place today. Many are sensing the conviction of the spirit in their life right now because of how they're living their life and who they're living their life for and the fear of the future and fear of where they're going to spend eternity. So God, today my prayer is just that some people would pray some bold prayers. Make things right with you. Accept you. Live in that victory. Live in the victory that's available to us because of the empty tomb today. I thank you so much that we are not alone. That we have a helper. I thank you so much that you go with us from this place as we go to carry out this call that's been placed on our lives to share the resurrection power and this good news with the world. I thank you for the help that you're going to provide. I can't do it on my own. I can't do it in my own strength. None of us can. But we can with your help. And we've got it. And I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful for that. 
I thank you for this church. I thank you how, for how you've used it to further your kingdom work. I thank you for the people that you've brought together in this family that means so much to me. And God, when we love one another the way that we do, boy, it hurts us bad when we lose one. Richie Rich is not lost. We know very well where he's at today. He's at the throne celebrating and praising his Savior on this Resurrection Sunday. He's experienced it. God, I pray that you continue to comfort this family. Draw them close. Help them to get through these next few days, difficult days. Moment by moment. Walking with you. God, again, we want you to know how much we love you today. Thank you for the love that has been shown to us. Thank you for that empty tomb. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray and ask these things. This morning as we close, I invite you to stand with us. And over the past several weeks, we've closed out our services with a benediction. And I would love for you to join us in reading this together before we go this morning. Lord, let us go out into the world in peace and dedicated to your service. Let us hold tightly to that which is good, supporting the weak, helping the needy, and honoring all people. May the strength of God sustain us. May the power of God preserve us. May the hands of God protect us. May the way of God direct us. May the love of God go with us this day and forever. Amen. I love you all and hope you have a happy Easter. God bless you.